Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hi, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. This is a show where we talk about things that are good that we like that we're into. And I'm, I am sorry, everyone. I and I think we both owe all of our listeners a big, big apology because we love to celebrate special occasions here on this show. Uh huh. And we did completely blow past a very important milestone without any recognition in that our last episode was episode 311. We had a lot of opportunities to make a lot of really great, really timely, I won't say jokes, but references. We could have done a whole episode just on 311. Crazy Game of Poker. That's not 311. It's not? It's OAR. Amber is the color of your energy. That is 311. And maybe we couldn't get a whole fucking episode out of this, huh? <laughs> if I only know two 311 songs and one of them's by OAR. <laughs> well, never mind that. I rescind my apology. That is not a fertile ground. It would have been a mess is what it would have been. It would have been a disaster. Uh-huh. It would have been a, like that one time we talked about Star Wars for a whole Mabimbam live show. <laughs> and then 311 would have contacted us. 311 would have got, I mean, they did contact us. That's why I have to give this apology. Oh, yeah. All the members of 311 emailed me separately which is embarrassing, like (laughs) circle the wagons up a little bit next time, guys. And they were like, hey, just want to let you know, like love the show, love the episode, Um, good good stuff, Uh, talking about all-star game, all that shit. But, um, you know, where was the the Amber And they do that for every podcast. Once you get to 311, they reach out every time. Well, we didn't miss it. I'm a bim-bam. I'm a bim-bam. I would bet dollars to donuts that we hit that fucking joke real hard. That would have been about eight years ago at this point. So it's hard to know anything, really. Is that, oh, God. No, it can't have been that It can't long. have been that long, right? I mean, that was more than half the run of Mabim Bam. Yeah. Oof. Anyway, thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening. Do you have any small wonders for me to snack on? <laughs> Just little ones, little tapas. Just little tapas. Um, what will I say in this moment? Um... I, did we talk about going to the hockey game? Well, I mean, we don't do anything ever. So if we did something like that, <laughs> I bet we talked about it. That's probably true. Um, I can start. Okay, please do. Give a shout out. I believe it was rec- recommended. Again, I'm crossing the streams because this may have been actually on Besties that someone recommended this. Uh, to check out The Devil's Plan on Netflix, a show we dipped into once. South Korean competition reality show. Stop me if you've heard this one before. Uh that is a bunch of people who live together in a sort of warehouse where they have to play a series of diabolical games uh, <laughs> against one another to uh, try and collect pieces and stave off elimination. Uh, and the gimmick here is that all the games they play are extraordinarily complicated. This is a game that really requires you to batten down the hatches and focus really intently in order to keep track of what's going on yes Uh, to wit the first one they did was like a a match of werewolf only way more complicated uh the one we watched last night they had to play a board game but everybody got to make up their own secret rule to the board game using a like series of strict syntactical uh rules that have been placed upon them by the host who i guess is the devil i'm not sure yeah that's unclear about it it is so meaty and so gamey and so unapologetically complicated. Uh, and it really is a, 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 it really, you cannot be doing anything else. Yeah, uh, so I mean, also because it, it is in a, a language that I do yeah. not speak. And so if I look at my phone for a minute and look back up, I could have missed an entire like rule yeah. of 50 rules about the games that they play. Um, yeah. I love that shit. I know that it is sometimes a big, 
a big bite for you. Yeah, it just requires a lot of concentration, which is not too bad for me. But I do this trick with my brain where I'm like, how important is it that I remember everything that is being said? And when I kind of relaxed with that one and was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to miss some things. That's fine. I will say for the game that we did, like they kind of do explain it as they go. You just kind of have to take it on credit that it's not just going to be complete nonsensical uh, like garbage. This is the episode we watched last night. I was wrapped with attention. Um, so that's Devil's Plan on Netflix yet again. Another kick-ass uh, South Korean reality competition show. Uh, was that long enough for you? It to- was. Okay. It was. I'm going to say lollipops that come with their own containers. Lollipops that come. I don't know what you're talking like about. Like a push pop. Okay. Or like, you know, those little like almost battery powered ones now, like where it either rotates. Battery powered. Oh, yes. Okay. I do know. Or you push a button and it pops open. Yeah. Like the Spider Man one we have. That's great. We have a Batman one of them too, and it's really great. We also have a ring pop that comes with this little case on top, which I appreciate. That's cool. I actually like that because you could have a little bit of that, pop the case back on, get back to your business at the Met Gala that you're attending. (laughs) Yeah. This, I mean, this is really important, right? Because I don't think any child has ever finished a lollipop. No. Um, Although I will say now, uh, Little Son has started just biting right into him. So that helps things. It's efficient the way he eats a lollipop. Yeah. It's wrong, (laughs) but it's fast. But like inevitably, the child will want to set this down. And most of the time, that is just directly on a surface. But when it comes with its own container, it's like you can holster it. Yeah. You know? That's true. And that's that's great for me. A A lolly holster. Lolly holster. You go first this week. Okay, I want to talk about a thing that we may have mentioned in passing, but we didn't do a whole segment on, and that is Planet Word. Planet Word. Yeah. That's a cool one. I think it's like one of my favorite museums easily here in D.C., like top three. Yeah, it's a really interesting one. D.C. obviously has a shit ton of museums that are chock-a-block full like of stuff and exhibits that are like very, very like dense and you can spend a lot of time in i like how planet word is just like here's like a dozen very very tight very very cool very interactive sort of experiences yeah exactly it's designed to be um really technology heavy in a way that is supposed to engage you kind of from minute one yeah uh, and I that's just so refreshing. Yeah. Like I have always loved a museum, but I recognize it's a hard sell for a lot of people because it's just walking around and looking at things most of the time. And if you are not particularly competent in the area of the media you're looking at, a lot of times you can just kind of be like, I'm not connecting with anything here. Yeah, right. But this one is really designed to like hook you. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's really really new actually sure. too, which I didn't realize. It it opened only a, a couple years before we moved here. Um, but it is it's in a building downtown. It's not a Smithsonian. Uh, it's located inside the former Franklin School, which is a historic landmark on Thirteenth and K Streets. It's like over 150 years old. Um, they had to totally restore it over a period of two years to make it even big shout out we should say last time we did visit with the whole family uh, a couple of folks who worked there took us took us on a little tour of of some of the spots which was really really neat because I that it is cool to see that building that I've been to a few times now from a different sort of perspective yeah one of the things they mentioned on that tour and I found when I was researching it is that um, 
It is the site of both one of the city's first public schools and the world's first wireless voice transmission achieved by Alexander Graham Bell in 1880. Yeah, cool. Like, he was so like, sick. He was like in that building. What an appropriate like building to have I a know. museum dedicated to words in it. So kind of the brains behind it is Anne Friedman. Uh, she is a retired school teacher. Uh, and when she retired, she had this idea that she wanted to do something about literacy and reading. And originally she was thinking about like some kind of children's program. Uh, and then she had this idea after doing some research and finding out about the National Museum of Mathematics in New York, which was using technology for the purpose of making math engaging. Okay. That seems like a way harder sell than words. <laughs> I know. I know. And she... She was intimidated, of course, because she not only did she have no experience in creating museums, she's also not a linguist. Uh, so she gathered like a real strong team of knowledgeable people together and traveled all over and looked at museums and kind of came up with this idea to bring technology kind of to the forefront of it. So this is a interview she did with the Washington Post. And she said... Um, she thought technology was key because it would, quote, suck people in by being really different and cool. So you would start doing things with words and language sort of in spite of yourself, whether or not you considered yourself a reader or someone who knew anything about words. And I had in my head one example of that, and that was that I had never used a teleprompter. And I thought, okay, so if you get kids to give a speech, they'd be reading, but because they got to try a teleprompter. Right. This idea that, like, I mean, you're you're making it really attractive in a way that like people can just walk up and participate. Right. Um, I want to say tricking uh, <laughs> <laughs> because that's the way it feels with big son. Big son can sense education and, and enrichment like from a mile away. Yeah. So you have to like meet him where he is, which most of the time is technology. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this place is, is super, super cool. I mean, it starts from like minute one, you're outside the museum and they have that, what they call the speaking willow, which is a metal sculpture resembling a weeping willow. And it plays voice recordings from hundreds of different languages. And, the, um, and these like little bell shaped like tubes that hang down from it. So it, you can only hear the voices as you are standing immediately underneath. Yeah. The so it's this weird effect where it's not like you're hearing this cacophony of lots of voices. It's like, as you move around, you sort of step into the cone of like a specific sort of voice. It is a trip and it is, very, very It cool. is very easy to not realize that it does anything. Like you will walk over and then you will step under it to get a closer look and all of a sudden you will hear people talking. There are 364 individual speakers cool. in, that, in that tree. And then inside, there's just a bunch of different things. Um, the karaoke room, super popular. Yeah. Uh, because it is just karaoke. Except that it also, before you you pick a song off a list of like a dozen popular songs, before you get into it, it tells you about the like mechanics of the of the songwriting process. So like this is this rhyme and this is the meter that they use here. And pay attention actually how the meter repeats here. And that's what makes for such a strong pop hook. And then you get to sing Taylor Swift. It's like <laughs> fucking brilliant. Yeah, each song has an introduction uh, that tells you what to look for and what the rhyming techniques are. So fucking cool. And you're reading. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. That's what's. That's another. It's another example of of where they they take something that is not intimidating and they just allow you to practice a skill yep. as a as a kid that is is really awesome. 
Um, my favorite thing is the large computer screen where you can use brushes labeled with words such as crepuscular or autumnal, and it changes the picture on the screen to reflect those words. Yeah, so it's 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 like a, a projection around the entire room of like a pastoral sort of landscape. Mm-hmm. And then as you dip your paintbrush in these adjectives, it changes the like light projection. It is really very, very cool. Uh-huh. That is the room, though, that I feel like everybody wants to like get into so whenever we bring the boys in there we have to sort of wait our turn before they can and they only have like two paintbrushes or three paintbrushes yeah, yeah. so i mean and that's designed intentionally right because it's not a huge room no if everybody's up there with a paintbrush it's very like, cool though you're not getting anything out of it uh one room we haven't really i mean ex- you gotta talk about the word wall right oh well yeah and then the word wall <laughs> there's a giant wall of words that are just big white block letters. And then when the like show starts, the room goes dark. And then this like projection mapped light display appears that will illuminate the words yeah. and teach you about like the origins of these words. So it's like this basically whole third of language comes from yeah. these two source countries, but these are portmanteaus and these evolved from like teen girls uh, yeah. speaking. And this one came from Australia. It is so, so cool. It's called, it's an exhibit called Where Do Words Come From? And it's a 22 foot tall talking word wall. Uh, with microphones with microphones yeah Yeah. can interact with so So they they will give you for example they'll highlight a few words and be like which one of these do you want to talk about and if you're just a McElroy you'll yell jorts really loud (laughs) yeah over and over and over again jorts 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 sometimes the words react when you yell them so there's like a segment on um, (laughs) on monopia and so if you go like buzz then the word buzz will start to like vibrate and glow yellow but it's just like it's just lights flashing on on the word. It is very it's it is very very cool. It's one of my favorite like museum exhibits like ever, I think. So the exhibit I was going to talk about is Lexicon Lane. This is like a kind of a little roped off area. We wandered in there once. Oh yeah. But we were not prepared at all for what was in the room and so we just kind of left. Left, yeah. Um it you re- you report to the reception desk and you are given a case to solve there are uh 26 cases with 5 to 8 puzzles in each one and uh you are advised to reserve a, a particular story um before you attend and it's basically a room with a bunch of display cases they uh did a contract with Lone Shark Games uh which is a game and puzzle design studio in Seattle have you heard of Lone Shark No I don't think so but but the idea is that you and your family walk around to these little glass display cases and you can solve language-based puzzles together. Yeah. All of this uh, is recent. As I mentioned, uh, <laughs> it was supposed to open to the public in May 2020. <laughs> huh, I wonder why it didn't do that. We also should mention, I would say, the big set piece of the museum is a big library with these rows of desks with reading lights, mm-hmm. and you can grab certain books from the library and open them up underneath the reading light, and then the reading light is a projector that changes and displays like interviews yeah. about the writing of the book and like looks like the pictures are moving on the book. Yeah, that is, uh, and the secret poetry room. And of there's course. a secret poetry room in there. It is the coolest fucking place. Uh-huh. I, I love that museum so much. So uh, so anyway, so it was supposed to open May 2020. It officially opened October 2020 and then was shut down again. Oh, no. <laughs> and then opened permanently in April 2021. And it's it's incredible. It's it's like it's totally one of a kind. Um, it's so inviting. Apparently, the little gift shop uh, was designed by Nate Berkus. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay. It's just everything is very thoughtfully done. Mm-hmm. It's it's very interactive. We've been um, to a lot of museums in DC that feel very I don't know, thrown together or kind of cash any or like they feel like pop-up sort of experiences. Or or they've been the same museum for the past 50 years. I mean, which that's, is also fine, yeah. but this one this is a this one really is one of a kind in like idea execution and like value that it provides to the community yeah it's it, it's firing on all well and i want to talk about it too because a lot of people that come to dc they feel like okay i'm going to go to the national mall i'm going to go to, to the portrait gallery you know like and you should do that stuff because that yes. stuff is also very good but this is one that you um may not have heard about that Got i to. really recommend Gotta get to play the word um can i steal you away yes Griffin? Yeah. You know what's a shame? What? Is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different <laughs> now? Is factor. These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. <laughs> Factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, there's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? <laughs> Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters with, I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis um, website design or website functionality, and you think, that I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghost Rider, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be the same list as everybody else's with the Julia Stiles <laughs> episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality, like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people you can, you can sell uh your time yeah you can do that also anything is possible that's um there for the commercial the super bowl commercial they had that was my voice yelling anything is possible in the wow background. yeah not a lot of people know that hey head to squarespace.com slash wonderful pod for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use offer code wonderful pod to save 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain Soundheap with John Luke Roberts is a real podcast made up of fake podcasts. Like, if you had a cupboard in your lower back, what would you keep in it? So I'm going to say mugs. A little yogurt and a spoon. A small handkerchief that was given to me by my grandmother on her deathbed. Maybe some spare honey? I'd keep batteries in it. I'd pretend to be a toy. If I had a cupboard in my lower back, I'd probably fill it with spines. 
If you had a cupboard in your lower back, what would you keep in it? Doesn't exist. We made it up for Sound Heap with John Luke Roberts, an award-winning comedy podcast from Maximum Fun, made up of hundreds of stupid podcasts. Listen and subscribe to Sound Heap with John Luke Roberts now. Oh, darling, why won't you accept my love? My dear, even though you are a duke, I could never love you. You, you borrowed a book from me and never returned it. (gasps) Save yourself from this terrible fate by listening to Reading Glasses. We'll help you get those borrowed books back and solve all your other reader problems. Reading Glasses, every Thursday on Maximum Fun. Hey, Rachel, guess what? The floor is lava. The floor is lava. (laughs) A fun little inside joke for just me and my wife, I guess, uh, (laughs) as our small son has taken to just like, apropos of nothing, just be like, mommy, daddy, guess what? The floor is lava. (laughs) Even when we're all sitting on a cat, like nobody will be standing on the floor and he will still hit us. Sometimes he'll say the floor is milk. Uh... It's it's all from he watches a lot of Ryan's World videos and in the early days they used to go to playgrounds and hit each other with a I guess what <laughs> the floor is lava yeah yeah and he he never says guess what for any other reason so we always know exactly what's coming yeah, it's really quite charming actually <laughs> I would say as a parent there are few arrows in our quiver that is sort of more reliable than the floor is lava if your kids have too much energy and you don't have a plan for how to exercise that energy. It is a light lift to move some shit around a room and then yeah. see if they can jump across it. Yeah. And that is an that is a truth that has been true for almost a century now. I would yeah. Say. Like we we obviously take advantage of like bubbles and balloons and dance parties, but um the great thing about Flores Lava is that you can change that course all yeah, the time. All the time, customize it, perfect it. Our obstacle <laughs> course building skills are Beyond measure at this point. I can't even imagine what it's like because we had done this when we have had guests multiple times and you and I were like a circus crew and that we're just like, all right, this one's going to go there and then we're going to put that there and we can like build it in like two minutes. And I imagine our guests are always very confused. Uh, On kids like YouTube, every third video is some sort of like interactive dance video or some sort of challenge like that there's there's a lot of stuff by a band called the kaboomers who do a lot of these sorts of like interactive songs which is like you know the identikit for this for the floor is lava you have to do some sort of silly dance or some sort of movement and then uh oh the floor is lava get up off the floor uh they have a ton of songs they're like the name in the game for this type of activity. I know there are right. parents listening that are freaking, freaking out right now. Fuck <laughs> out here with the boomers. Uh, there's obviously a few variations of the floor is lava. One that is more sort of obstacle coursey, like get across the room. And then there is the more tame sort of call and response, like you better find some way to get up off the floor very quick. Uh, both are fine for our purposes as parents, but especially since COVID hit, like we have gotten really invested in like the acquisition of obstacle piece parts that are perfect for this. We have what, like maybe 10 of these fairly large foam blocks of different shapes. There's like wedges and little stairs. And yeah. They come with this thing. kind of vinyl exterior, which make them really easy to wipe down and kind of last forever. Yeah. Uh, and you'll see a lot of parents getting rid of them because they take up a lot of space. <laughs> and yeah. so, so I have picked up a few just through like various groups. The secret is to time your kids out. 
so that right as one becomes old enough to not want the blocks anymore, poof, you get in there with another one and start the clock all over again. <laughs> we also have these like little plastic river stone things that are like designed for this type of activity. Yeah. They're like built for, you know, enhancing balance and coordination and stuff like that. Uh, and I genuinely do take a great deal of creative satisfaction in putting together either obstacle courses or Flores Lava sort of uh, tracks. Um, I think that the psychological impact of the floor is lava is wonderful. I think if the game was just don't touch the floor, it wouldn't be any fun at all because it's the like imagined danger of lava that makes staying on the shit so (laughs) much more intense. The existence of lava forces you to sort of like take the game very seriously, which is amazing. I think that whole vibe was captured very well in the floor is lava game show, Uh, that ran for a few seasons on Netflix where people had to jump across these very lavish set pieces, these very exorbitantly expensive, I imagine, set pieces while trying not to fall into, uh, you know, glowing orange goo. There was a great mythology to that show, which was that if you fall into the orange goo, you are dead. (laughs) And they do not talk about you again. And your your, uh, fellow teammates and the hosts like gently mourn you because you're done. Like you don't come back. You are goo now. You are part of the lava. Um, Big shout out, by the way, to uh, the the podcast that uh, our business manager, Amanda, co-hosts, which is called All's Fair in Lava and Floor. (laughs) That's so good. The world's premier Floor is Lava fan cast. So the origins of Floor is Lava is kind of hard to track, as are the origins of a lot of folk games, which I've sort of talked about on on this show before. Um, But I read a really interesting paper uh, from the Social Sciences Research Network which was titled On the Architecture of the Folk Game, The Case of the Floor is Lava, uh, which was written by uh, Tim Huang. Uh, I, in, in this sort of research article, he suggests that, like, you know, you can't track when did people start jumping across of obstacles, right? <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. that's wild. Um, but that there is a sort of specific identifiable fuel for the origins of Floor is Lava, which was the introduction and popularization of the family room in, like, your home, which, you know, happened in the middle of the 20th century. Uh, Before that, you know, spaces in the house were very much separated off, like, this is where the adults chill, and this is the kids' zone. This is like your formal living room and your formal dining room. But as houses got sort of larger over time... and and people got TVs. People got TVs, but uh, in in the sort of, like, post-war, you know, world, houses were getting larger, and so now all of a sudden there was space whether it was you know a finished basement or something like that and and those spaces sort of organically just became communal spaces for people in the family of all ages to share with each other right that was a surprisingly novel concept at the time um what what happened with the floor is lava is that it's sort of a it's a creation in reverse situation where he he posits that the game and a lot of like creative works actually are the uh, are the result, are a product of the spaces that they inhabit, right? So the floor is lava. It requires a space with a lot of props, which are relatively evenly dispersed in a space where kids are allowed to play, right? All three of those things became true with the like arrival of the family room, this communal space with lots of furniture in it that you could move around. Well, and also I imagine like stricter child labor laws, which were like you okay, can't, yeah, sure. you can't send your child to a factory anymore. <laughs> 
Yeah. I don't know how big a factor that is if in the 1950s we were like, well, you can't, you don't work at the mill anymore. We got to find some way to get your energy out. We have this kick ass new room where we all are allowed to hang out. If you want to jump from table to ottoman, um, I want to read an excerpt from the article to close out because I found this truly, I love this shit. I love like folk games. I wrote a whole feature article about them sort of for for polygon it was like one of the first things i wrote and i became like really fascinated in it um so in this article uh tim huang writes uh the resulting social and physical space of the family room is one in which the game of the floor is lava seems particularly latent uh seen from this perspective the adoption of the family room into the vernacular of american home design doubled as the broad distribution of a specifically gameful space to families throughout the country regardless of other local variations in the neighborhood the built landscape and the surrounding environment immediately outside the home, large numbers of children had access to a common, fertile location in which to discover the game. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. The idea that it's not like one person one day was just like, all right, guys, got this great idea. You move that chair there. You move that table Uh there. We're going to go across them and call it the floor is lava. But rather, as this new space, this new room became sort of standardized across the country, the, you know, idea of jumping across shit in your family room yeah was already sort of there and was discovered because this there was a space all of a sudden that allows for it you think a lot about like individual uh invention i forget the term for it but like when multiple people think of the same thing at the same time you hear that you think of like it's that's magic or whatever but the idea is that like spaces result in in activities or yeah. work or whatever. Uh, and I found that idea so No, that is interesting to think about. Like when I was a kid, we used to go to like a lot of historical figures like childhood home. And one of them, I believe was Abraham Lincoln, unless right. I'm misremembering. And of course, there's no space for floor is lava. No, there's no space for floor is lava there. But the same is also true of like a playground. A playground doesn't have a lot of props evenly dispersed. Kids can be there. But it doesn't have those other two factors or like a big open park. Kids can be there, but it doesn't have props for you to uh-huh. jump around on. This was a thing. And also playgrounds and parks are different depending on like where you are. Every every playground is different for the most part, except the ones that are like made by the same company. But for the most part, they're all different. But this was a space that all of a sudden like had all the makings of the thing. All of the ingredients were there. And once the ingredients were there, like, of course, kids cooked it up because – it just makes it just makes sense because yeah. it was there all, all the all the time. I think that's lovely. Yeah, and I love the floor is lava. Me too. I am not great at the playing of it, but in my defense, the blocks we have sag <laughs> greatly beneath <laughs> my humid adult weight. Uh, do you want to know what our friends at home are talking about? Yes. Jordan says, my wonderful thing is Pokemon Go. I play it almost every day with my fiance, and there's nothing better than filling out our Pokedex, comparing what shinies we get, and trading Pokemon with each other, trying to get a lucky trade. It's a great way to stay nerdy and active at the same time with my best friend. We're just now sort of getting back in. Just now getting back in as the weather turns. Yeah. Uh, back into Pokemon Go. Caught a shiny Lapras on a walk the other day, which I got very excited about, <laughs> and nobody else did. <laughs> Daniel says, my small wonder is having an array of squeeze bottles for all my fats and oils in the kitchen. You would not believe how fun and easy it makes sauces, whether I'm mixing in a bowl or just getting an extra drip into the pan, not having to deal with a handful of twist on and off lids and having a nice uniform way of housing them in the cabinet. Yes. yes. We don't have squeeze bottles. We have like little glass dropper bottles. Yeah. But I always feel like I feel like fucking carmy when I get those things. Down. I know, just like a little artful drizzle little in the artful pan. Drizzle from the little little metal nozzle guy yeah. on there. Oh, I love that shit. Mm-hmm. Hey, 
Thanks to Bowen and Augustus for these for our theme song, Money Won't Pay. You can find a link to that in the episode description. And thank you to MaximumFun.org for having us on the network. There's a lot of great shows on there for you to check out now. Got some new merch up in the merch store, including a Sometimes It Rains in Trav Nation t-shirt, which I adore <laughs> and will be acquiring as quickly as is possible. Uh, and, and there's a bunch of other stuff up on there, too. Um, any, anything else? We're kind of rushing. I have a haircut to get to, which I'm fucking so excited for. No, I'm excited for you to go to your haircut. Me too. It's long overdue. Um, you just got a haircut. You look so great. Thank so, you, honey. So fetching. And I can't wait to join you in the short hair. It's great over here. Yeah. I'll be right there. <laughs> Wait for me. Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows, supported directly by you.